Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R, and SinceRightNow.com, with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. With our guest tonight, Ivana Grahovic, Executive Director of Transforming Youth Recovery. Hi. How are you? I am well. How are you? Yeah, we're good. Do you think we're ready to go? No, wait. Yeah. What? Yeah, we're totally ready. Okay. <laughs> Let's cool. do it. All right. Um, tonight we're joined by Ivana Grahovic, who is the Executive Director of Transforming Youth Recovery. An organization that, in their own words, brings together innovative and sustainable scholastic recovery communities. Um, welcome, Ivana. Thank welcome. you. Thank yeah. you. Thank, Thank you, you for coming on. Yeah. I'm here. so excited to be here. We yeah. should what, Jeff? Oh no, that's great. Yeah, we're we're excited. I'm Jeff, Matt, and Chris. Chris. Yeah, yeah we, we've been bang like not introducing ourselves at the beginning of these things, so we should along with our <laughs> guests. Oh, I well, hello, yeah. Jeff, good. Matt, and Chris. Yeah. Thank you. Hello, Ivana. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's, uh, what, I, what I neglected to mention was uh, you are yourself in recovery, um, mm -hmm. for those that aren't, aren't familiar with you and your yeah. story, yeah. which, um, you know, uh, on the, the recovery-friendly web, as I think it might have been dubbed by, I'm not sure who dubbed it that, but I certainly uh, appropriated it. Um, I think you're a... a a well-known figure um, for the work you do th through transforming youth recovery. Um, I don't know that I don't know that's always a given that everybody knows that that you yourself are in recovery. And we're wondering yeah. if you'd, you'd share a bit about you know what that path was like and how you you got yeah. to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I try to be as open about it as possible because you never know when someone could be struggling or in pain or terribly worried about a loved one. And our society simply doesn't have the spaces or the dialogues open and available for people to talk about this. So I always try to be as open about it as possible so I can help stimulate those conversations and, and hopefully um, help people open up who need to find resources or encouragement or, you know, to know that they're not alone. Yeah. But yep, I have been um, clean and sober and free from all mind and mood altering substances, including alcohol for 10 years since February 15th. 20, uh, 2005, oh, almost Valentine's day, the day after Valentine's day, that's nice. <laughs> I fell out of love yep. with it. That's good. <laughs> A breakup. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and so what, uh, how did, how did it come to that on, on yeah. February 15th, 2005? Um, wow. It, it, it honestly, it blows me away to this day and will probably continue to just be a mesmerizing thing to look back on and try to process and understand as I continue to evolve and grow in my recovery. But I uh, became addicted to heroin mm -hmm. when I had just wrapped up a White House internship. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. Oh, that old tale. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we um, can all relate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um Yep, I was a what, college were, student. Were you at the White House when this happened? Did someone from the internship program get you hooked on it or was it outside of the White House? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, I had, you know, I never used during high school. Um, I simply didn't have access and my family was pretty strict and there was a war going on in our, in our homeland in Croatia. So the focal point was all about advocacy and lobbying since I was 13 years old. That was just what we did to get our country recognized and to Mm -hmm. help end the war. Um, but with that, I felt very depressed and anxious and disconnected from all my peers, uh, because of that experience. And I started to experiment in Croatia as, um, as a 18 year old, 19 year old Mm. with ecstasy. And it progressed of course, because it made me feel what I wanted to feel instead of what I was feeling. And that led to, um, the need to find something to bring me down and that's how I got into um, the use of heroin when I was a college student. Wow. And <laughs> it, that's where my absolute devotion to um, collegiate recovery comes from because of the unique experiences I had struggling with um, heroin addiction and having nowhere to turn yeah falling further and further behind, um, other students who were enrolled with me and spiraling into that abyss. And it took me eight years to get my bachelor's degree. And the only reason why I did get my degree is because my mom literally drove me to school every day and sat next to me in class for an entire semester. Wow. Wow. And, And your mom obviously knew what was going on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. By then the jig was up. Yeah. So you're you're (laughs) trying to stay clean and she's like, the only way you're going to stay clean is if I take you to school and make sure you get this degree. So she's like, I'm doing it. You know, I wasn't even trying to stay clean, um, because I had not, I was in so much shame and so much, um, self loathing because I had no idea why I I couldn't stop. Yeah. And I didn't see anything reflected to me in, in general society, in general media, in, in the culture at large, pulling me forward and saying, yes, you can recover and your life is going to be a thousand times more exciting and meaningful than it ever even was before you started to use drugs right. because that's what recovery brings into your life. Like I didn't find that around me. And so I, I sank deeper into this helplessness and just wanting to end it all. Um, Mm. so my mom was just dragging me and she, she believed that if I just got my degree, that that would fix everything. Um, and it didn't, (laughs) but, (laughs) uh, and I ended up, um, really capitulating after that. And uh, I lived on the streets of Detroit for two months in the dead of winter over the holidays. Um, I had somebody, a drug dealer ran me over with his car because I stole $10 from him. Um, You name it, as much 
as much pain and suffering and as Mm -hmm. some recovery circles call it pitiful and comprehensible demoralization occurred. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, So, yeah. You're right. So this whole, a lot of your passion comes from being on a major college campus doing drugs and just not having anything, any resources or any, were you, was there meetings? Did you, was there rehab or was there just nothing there? I, my parents were able to send me to rehab, um, about two times while I was enrolled and the, the disconnect was getting out of treatment and going back onto campus campus, and not having a base where I could go to and find somebody I could immediately connect with, be accountable to authentically identify with and relate to Mm -hmm. and see other peers, you know, other students on this journey who could, uh, de- diffuse the shame that I was feeling and the otherness and the alienation. Um, I didn't have that. So we know how it goes. Addiction is just the repetition of old thoughts. And that's exactly what would bubble up to me while I was in class. I'd be like, these other kids, I'm hearing them plan what they're doing this weekend. They're all going to go party. They're all going to hang out. And I have nowhere to go. I, I don't have anywhere to go on campus. Um, And I just feel like a complete failure. Mm. And if I had just had one other student in recovery who I could have, you know, connected with, it would have made all the difference. That's amazing. And that probably explains in large part why you are so uh, transparent and upfront about your struggles and your status as a sober person living in recovery yeah. I mean, it, it, w- where you started in talking to us yeah. um, because someone else may be operating in that same vacuum and not yeah. have examples you know exactly exactly and we are that lifeline yeah well we I, it's funny lifeline. i don't know how college is it's, i i found out that i was an alcoholic in class in college i was i was in a class and that was being taught by a guy who had 10 years of sobriety and the class wow. was about creativity alcohol and drugs and it was exploring if, if alcohol and drugs affected creativity in our great writers. So we'd read Ken Kesey and Jack Kerouac and all these alcoholic and, and the guy was in recovery. And the more he taught this class and described what addiction was, the more I was like, oh my God, I think I'm an addict. Mm. And wow. That's how I learned. But yeah, there was, I went to my counselor on college and asked her if I was an alcoholic or, you know, I think I'm an alcoholic. And she's like, I don't think you're an alcoholic. <laughs> try some controlled drink or whatever and total failure but you're right there's no there's no support on campus college is just one of those times where you're out using you know everyone's there to drink and do drugs i think right it's just a hard place to it can also be a a place where you can find yourself feeling really alone yeah you know yes through whatever means through whatever means of isolation are at your disposal if you're yeah you know i i found myself um just feeling really alone in college because Mm -hmm. i I didn't quite know how to quote unquote party like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And by that point, it wasn't even a party mechanism. It was an escape mechanism to begin with. So there wasn't a whole lot of pleasure in it. It was just like you were speaking about the cycle of despair and shame and guilt. And the only way to placate that is to pour more alcohol and drugs on top of it. Right. Numb it more. Yeah. So was there a lot of heroin use? I mean, did you know anyone else that was doing it on campus? No. No? Mm-mm. Nope. And I went to Wayne State University in Detroit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, near a really big, I was within a big uh, city with yeah, a yeah. 
with a thriving inner city um, blight going mm-hmm. on. And so it was very, very readily available. Um, yeah. And <laughs> dropping out of classes and withdrawing from classes and having to retake the same class three times and and then being so ashamed when I finally did um, earn my graduation that I I was like, no way am I going to walk and get my diploma. No way, because I don't know anybody else. Everybody that I was enrolled with, they graduated four years ago. Mm-hmm. So, And that's so part and parcel of the experience of having addiction and alcoholism. It's that no matter what thought or success or, or, or milestone, that old way of thinking, that destructive, um, that destructive, uh, chemical infrastructure of what, what goes on in the brain when it's disordered mm-hmm. with, with substance use disorder, it just converts it all into a negative. And that is why the beauty of recovery is it's so empowering and positive and hopeful and, do the next right action. Um, what's the next right thought? Move a muscle, change a thought. You just have to pull yourself out of that. You you have to rebuild a sense of being worthy um, mm-hmm. of those things, worthy of walking, you know, to get your diploma after all the work you put in. You know, regardless of of what uh, what the challenges were that 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 made you have to, you know, exert that extra effort. Um, you know, you still put a lot of work into getting there. Um, right. And for me, that changed um, when I had just about a year and a half of, of you know, abstinence-based recovery mm-hmm. under my belt and being involved in the recovery community and going to therapy and um, working out holistically. I, I enrolled in community college and everyone around me was saying, oh, you don't need to go to community college. You should just apply directly for your master's. But I was like, I don't know how to be a student in recovery. I don't know how to study. I don't know mm-hmm. if I've like irreparably damaged my brain and can't retain information and apply it. Right. So I need this experience. And it was such a blessing because Oakland Community College in Auburn Hills, Michigan, had a mental health social work program. And on the first day, everyone had to introduce themselves. And during the prerequisites that I took the prior semester, I always introduce myself in the beginning of class as someone in recovery. Therefore, if you need to talk or if you know someone who's struggling or if you if you want to hang out with somebody who isn't all about drinking and partying, come to me. I set that boundary. I set that tone so mm-hmm. I could maintain a safe space around me. Um, and so that first day of that mental health social work program, our professor had us introduce ourselves and about 80% of the class introduced themselves as in recovery. Wow. And what my professor did then, her name is Gail Palmer, she said, to the rest of you in this class who are not in recovery, these students who just introduced themselves as being in recovery, they are role models. Mm. They are giving other students who are struggling with drinking and drugs a higher vision of themselves mm-hmm. and showing them how to live clean and sober. Yeah. And she took me out of my, my shame hole. She took me out of the story. She took me up off the streets, you know, where, where lodged in my brain with all that pain and past trauma. And mm-hmm. she gave me a higher vision of myself. And that change, it, it meant that I could uniquely be useful and that there was merit in the struggle and a purpose to that experience. 
That's amazing. You you mentioned this holistic uh, recovery method that you you went through. Did, was was it a bit of therapy and and twelve uh, step and what else was all in that year and a half? So I was also recurring from anorexia and bulimia, which mm. I also had gotcha. been um, struggling with since I was 19 years old. And when I began the process of recovery after I was in treatment for the sixth time, um, wow. I had about four months of going to meetings in the morning, learning how to pray and meditate and becoming familiar with recovery culture, language and practices and you know, meeting people in the community and building a support system. Mm -hmm. And I distinctly felt this voice inside of me say, Hey, you're working so hard on getting your mind in in a healthy space. What about when are you going to do that for your body? Mm -hmm. And that's when I, um, that's when I was able to finally, uh, develop a, a healthy eating, um, ritual, you know, where I, I would pray before I would eat and go work out. And I got into yoga and playing tennis. And, you know, the cool thing about getting sober relatively young is that you can completely redesign your life to support your recovery instead of when you're already, you know, well into your, your middle age or, or senior, um, years where you already have, established pieces of your life that are firmly planted there, you know, and then you can just make this piece be about recovery. Mm -hmm. And then you gradually learn how to perhaps incorporate it when you're young. The beauty is it, it can, it can flow throughout all areas of your life. And I needed to do that because I was going to 12 step meetings where I was the youngest person by easily 20 years maybe the only female, um, not employed, not going to school. I had so much time on my hands and I didn't relate to the person with, um, um, a supersize Mountain Dew and a cigarette in their hands, (laughs) you know, like that's great for you, but I can't roll like that. (laughs) So, so I, I, I had the blessing of not needing to work or be in school that first year and a half. And I would, go, um, to the local athletic club and process everything that I was hearing in meetings that I was reading in books that I was working through in therapy. And I started to do yoga at a year sober and, oh my gosh, that was such a crucial piece of Mm. healing from trauma and painful thoughts that would literally come up out of nowhere and make me cringe I would be in a folder forward fold on the floor and mm-hmm. it was really cool at this, at this athletic club, they did yoga in the dark. And so uh-huh. they would wow. tell you, close your eyes. We're going to turn off the lights, stop comparing what you're wearing to yeah. the other woman wearing Great Lululemons, yeah. focus on yourself. That's so cool. And I would just breathe, just breathe yeah. through that painful moment hmm. and I would transcend it. Yeah. I do yoga better when I don't wear my glasses and I can't see anyone around me. It's just crazy because you're not focused on all that other crap. It's so funny. Exactly. Exactly. Yoga in the dark sounds. I've never heard of that. It sounds like it makes a lot of sense. I think I might be more interested. We can start a movement. (laughs) That's right. That sounds like a really interesting. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, was there a day when it hit you when you knew you had to do this? get back and help with college? Like, you know, right. was there this yeah. moment where it's like, I'm going to, this is my thing now. I'm going to do this. Yes. So I 
was able, recovery is all about getting your dreams back, your passions Mm -hmm. back, maybe new passions, new hope, new vision for yourself, for your life. And each year that I stayed sober, some new horizon would open up, some new challenge I wanted to strive for, a new goal that I suddenly felt like I could reach out to and going to the university of Michigan to get my master's degree in social work suddenly became a possibility. And so I, I applied and I got in and I moved. It was the first time I moved out of my parents' house, um, for more than just a semester or two. And I moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I had three and a half years clean and sober at that point. And moving literally 40 minutes away, I was suddenly in a whole new recovery community, whole new recovery culture. And on the first day of class, I was so terrified and overwhelmed and filled with defeatist old negative thoughts. I turned to an advisor and I said, excuse me, um, I'm in recovery and I'm feeling really overwhelmed. Mm. Can I please speak to somebody else in recovery? And she looked at me and she was like horrified. And she goes, if someone's in recovery, they're going to have to disclose it to you first. You can't ask them. And I felt like, so I just shriveled up inside. Like I felt exposed. I felt like I did the wrong thing. And how on earth am I going to succeed here? And the weekend started and then the football games at Michigan. And it (laughs) literally becomes like... Um, the Michael Jackson video for Thriller, right? <laughs> like where like these like zombies are just barely like moving around, perambulating around campus, and mm. oh my god, it was horrific. And <laughs> I was like, this is an abstinence hostile environment. So I would drive home every single weekend, so I could go to the recovery meetings I was comfortable with. I could go see my therapist that I had a relationship. I could go to my yoga classes. And I would go and I would just process that all out, sweat it out on the yoga mat, you know, get empowered by my support system and my family. And I would drive back to campus and rinse and repeat wow. for about a year. Wow. And I was, in an, I was in an accelerated 16-month program. So, you know, time was kind of moving quickly. But right before my last semester, by then I was like, okay, I'm clearly not going to fail out of here. Mm. And I do have a right to be here, even though I don't, you know, I had to overcome that feeling that heroin addicts don't deserve to get their master's degrees because nobody else was modeling that for me. Um, But after I realized that I was getting straight A's, I was like, okay, clearly there's a disconnect. What is going on? Mm -hmm. So I had found some other students in recovery in the grad school um, social work that I was in. And I I spoke with um, an advisor and asked if I could do an independent study for my last semester. And it would be about building a a recovery-oriented student group. And so I sent this email out so I wouldn't, like, directly ask anybody to disclose uh, via email or whatnot. And I just said, Hey, is there anyone here interested in starting a recovery oriented student group? And the most beautiful thing that occurred as a result of that 
was the amount of emails that I got back, not from students in recovery, although those came in, yes, Mm -hmm. but it was students who wanted to be our allies because they saw how deficient the campus was Mm -hmm. in creating an alternative culture that supported students in recovery as well as students who wanted to be empowered through wellness and inspiration. So we started a group called Students for Recovery, and it took off like wildfire. And then I graduated, and it went on to become a formalized collegiate recovery program at the University of Michigan, run by one of the original students who helped start it, Matt Mm -hmm. Statman, who's fabulous. And then I was hired uh, shortly after graduation to take over the reins of the Center for Students in Recovery at the University of Texas at Austin. Ah, good. So that's funny. You go to these uh, giant football schools, right? Is that just super weird? (laughs) All those crazy party schools. Exactly. That's where they need it the most. That's where they need it the most. But but, I have the uh, AA and NA or 12 step is on campuses, I would assume. And so Mm -hmm. this, what's the gap that this fills or what's the, the thing that students for recovery is it a, is or the it, relationship yeah, to yeah, 12 what's step. the relationship i guess or what what's how do they work together so well this is the thing aa yeah. can't do everything right, right? Yeah. aa can't teach you how to go to your advisor's office and tell you where the best aa meetings are with people that you resonate with, with young people, with other students. They can't teach you how to build a recovery support system. Mm -hmm. It can't teach you how to um, develop a a weekend plan where you know how to study. You you, you can, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that makes sense. And it's about, it's about community. It's like I had tried as a college student to just go to any old meeting Mm -hmm. and there's something so unique about being a student in recovery, needing Mm -hmm. to protect your sobriety when everyone around you is, is allowed and encouraged and it's woven into the fabric of, of academic culture to just party and binge drink and fraternities and sororities and Greek life and, Even professors saying, hey, let's meet at this bar for happy hour to discuss Mm -hmm. the lesson plan. And so AA absolutely um, is extremely valuable and a piece of what is offered Mm -hmm. within collegiate recovery programs. Um, But again, it doesn't teach you how to advocate for your needs on a college campus and to develop a strong voice build a coalition, inspire stakeholders to galvanize and demand a life-saving resource be created on campus to save students in recovery. Wow. So what, what does it look like if, if this succeeds? Like what does the campus look like if this, if you're hitting on all cylinders? Well, the University of Texas at Austin, I inherited the program in its sixth year from uh, the predecessor, the lady who created the program there, Laura Jones Swan. And wow, um, you know, for six years, she didn't even have a formal space. Hmm. She was just building the program, growing the student numbers, 
supporting them in creating programming. They were doing meetings, service opportunities, social events, and they finally got a space in the basement of the School of Social Work, which was not um, not a long-term solution because the program kept growing. So when I inherited it, um, there was already a, a number of students, like maybe 60 or 70, and we continued to do outreach. And then one day a regent walked into my office, a board of regent member, who said, I'm in recovery and I want to help. Wow. Yeah. And... What happened as a result of that was he brought his other fellow Board of Regent member who was also in recovery, and they said, wow, we want every student within the UT system who's in recovery to have a safe place that they can go to on campus. And that's exactly what they did. They got the rest of the Board of Regents to vote unanimously to expand collegiate recovery programming throughout all nine UT system schools throughout the state of Texas. And they got us out of the School of Social Work basement and into the UT football stadium on the second floor Uh, in 3,000 square feet of uh, brand newly remodeled space that I got to help design. Wow. (laughs) So we made the meeting room, which originally the the whole space was 1,300 square feet. The new space was 3,000 and the big meeting room was 1,300 square feet. And we had it shaped kind of rounded like a cocoon Mm. to symbolize the transformation that was taking place in these students' lives. And I got to order all restoration hardware furniture. (laughs) Come on now. Now that's just, uh, I was was believable up until that point. (laughs) I'm telling you. And the student was, um, um, the program was was, uh, elevated into... The, the student affairs, the division of student affairs is a standalone program. More staff was hired. Um, and then just recent wow. and oh, yeah. And the Board of Regents got nine hundred fifty thousand dollars from the system to assist with implementation. And just in February, um, the chancellor, the new chancellor, uh, awarded another $1.1 million to support the That's continued great. efforts of sustaining collegiate recovery throughout all nine Is, is every schools. school now coming to you guys to ask you how you did it? How you guys like the model school? We have received – the University of Texas Center for Students in Recovery was always getting so many requests because in 2010, when I started at CSRUT Austin – there were only 14 schools nationally doing collegiate recovery of any sort. And we were all being deluged um, by other schools saying, we want to do this. How do you do it? Yeah. Our campuses are not supporting us. We don't have any resources. But we we sympathize with our students in recovery. And we want to support them. And we know how valuable it is. So I was recruited to become the executive director of Transforming Youth Recovery Um, which I I have been here since April of 2014. And TYR is a nonprofit that gives out grants to colleges across the nation to support them with three years of technical assistance and some initial seed grant money Mm. to help them develop collegiate recovery programming. And that is all a result of our incredible founder, our president, Stacey Mathewson, who has the heart of a lion. Um, Her only child, Josh, died of a drug overdose one month after she started the grant program and pledged $1 million to help seed 100 new collegiate recovery programs over the course of three years. Wow, that's amazing. 
yeah the definition of tragic yeah. um wow so i mean you're you're from your position i mean you're on the front lines i imagine you, you see the opiate epidemic come through the doors so to speak if not literally figuratively every day uh, right i would imagine um you know my experience on a college campus that's when i when i you know launched my my you know career as an addict so to speak um that's when it really took off and you know for me it was the foundation was was alcohol but i can't imagine what it's like now on a campus with um you know the opiate epidemic sort of my guess is pouring across the mm-hmm. the, the yeah. threshold yeah right oh exactly uh, um is it go ahead it's it's really frightening um it's really frightening, and I know on, on UT's campus there's this main strip called the Drag, mm. and that's where a lot of uh, students would go and score heroin, mm. and uh, <laughs> you know, and and I just and thank goodness that there's a, a collegiate recovery program there, and that there is an IOP um, that's part of the counseling center and there's a recovery high school now located on the campus of the university of Texas. But due to Stacy Mathewson's persistence, the number of collegiate recovery efforts growing in this nation, they've tripled Mm -hmm. in the past two years, but we've still out of, out of 2,500 four year universities and about, 4,500 colleges and community college institutions. That number that I told you in 2010 was 14 schools. Now it's up to about 150. But that's still only 5%. So think of all the students on all those college campuses where there's nothing. Conserved, yeah. And that's what, that's honestly what keeps me up at night and what fuels what I do because I will not stop until I've done everything that I can and worked with as many other advocates and champions and allies mm. who see the power and, and the magnificence and the beauty of giving support to these students, giving them a new way mm. to live, um, a, a higher consciousness around themselves and their community. Mm-hmm. It's so inspiring. It's like if we can continue to positively impact this generation of young people in recovery now, they're going to infiltrate um, the rest of our society and and in, infuse infuse our culture with with a new way to live and mm. be and and give yeah. and that's what recovery is all about. Yeah, and I mean, I think like I think I was telling you in the pre-call, it's it's been a revelation to me and, and pretty astonishing the the presence um, TYR Transforming Youth Recovery has online, let alone, you know, on the campuses um, and other organizations. And I don't know what sort of relationships you have with other, um, you know, youth-focused organizations. But it, it's something that, you know, when you talk about not having, you know, recovery much or sobriety, much less recovery modeled, um, you know, as a young person, you know, I, I try to even imagine what it would be like to have had something like this, you know, in my college years. Um, so, you know, my, my understanding of like, you know, AA is attraction, not promotion. How is, how is the message put out there? Is it, is it for the students? I mean, how, what, how is it um, dimensionalized on campus? I guess. Uh, you, um, 
What do you mean by dimensionalized? Well, I, I like, guess I'm trying to think if I'm looking for you, but I don't know what to look for. Are you out there? If I'm on campus and I'm struggling, right, right, or, or I'm new to recovery, or even or I don't know I need recovery, recovery <laughs> right? How do I find out about? Yeah. Two IR in that kind. In as many, not to, well on campus. The way to find your collegiate recovery program, right. and we did some uh, research into how students found support at the University of Texas okay. to our center, and it was a tie. And one was um, via website and social mm-hmm. media, and right. f- hearing from another friend. Okay. And mm-hmm. so we again we. This is a suggestion that I love to talk about, but creating T-shirts that say boldly and in big letters, like at Michigan Students for Recovery, we had these black black shirts with white lettering mm. that said all, all down the front, Michigan Students for Recovery. And on the back, there was a <laughs> there lightning bolt and it said positive change. Excuse me. And we had... St- um, Shirts that said Center for Students in Recovery, CSR, with like a star and wings mm. at Texas. Because, again, it's like you, you're you that lifeline. In, in a, a sea of humanity on a college campus, you have to really stand out and be a beacon of hope right. to somebody else who is struggling. You have to vibrate at such a high frequency to radiate that positive current mm. that can attract another student. I cannot tell you how many times I had students who were um, studying journalism find their way to me to interview me for a project. And then by the end of the interview, they would disclose, like, actually, I, I reached out to you because I'm struggling. <laughs> and I, is it okay if yeah. I come to a meeting? That's awesome. So that we would awesome. we would also have students regularly speak in classrooms, um, health and wellness classes, counseling classes, neurobiology, social work. And we would start off by telling the whole auditorium, Okay, take out your cell phone right now, type our number in, save it, and if your friend yeah. has an issue, friend. Drunken friend. give them our number. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's all about removing barriers, removing either psychological barriers or, or barriers of shame and stigma. Um, we just tried to to get out there as much as we could and have a presence in the surrounding recovery community and regularly collaborate and carry the message. And there was an awesome Saturday night speaker meeting that's still going on in Austin, Texas. If you're ever there on a Saturday night, it's called AA Storytime. It's cool. at 7.30 p.m. at the University Presbyterian Church. And it's two speakers back to back and they share 30 minutes each. And that's where the campus recovery program would unite with the community recovery uh, uh, population. And that's, again, where that beautiful magic would happen, where students would find mentors and internship opportunities, opportunities to enrich their support systems or or find people that they could, um, you know, help their family members. Or It was just this beautiful dynamic exchange of helping others by receiving help and being helped mm-hmm. by, you know, sharing your story with somebody else. And I mean, all that is exactly what I was talking about. That, I mean, that's that's um, pretty amazing and extensive. I think, I think the sort of mental block that I mean, I, I still have sometimes is that, you know, as a college student, it, it would be the furthest thing from my mind to walk around saying, "Hey, I'm sober." You know, I'm in recovery. You know, it, it, there there is that stigma that I think was attached to it and to still is to a large degree, but. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, to your point through the work you're doing and others and, and just, I think it's a generational thing, but it's, it's, um, you know, there are a lot of really, uh, I guess, courageous, um, young people that are out there announcing it loudly and proudly. Um, which is Absolutely. And I want to delineate this because there's a lot of people out there who still think that saying you're in recovery is the same as blowing your anonymity or blowing your confidentiality. Mm. And that is simply not the case. And you are absolutely allowed and encouraged to proudly proclaim Mm. proclaim that you are a member of the recovery community at large because there are many paths to recovery and just because you may be involved in in a therapy program or a 12-step program, you can absolutely say who you are now. <laughs> right, exactly. Right? Yeah. You, but you, you don't own have you. To, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that doesn't mean that you are automatically speaking on behalf of right. a specific 12-step group. Right. That's what you protect. Yeah. That's the anonymity piece, being like, yeah, you know, I'm in recovery. How are people supposed to know? How are they supposed to be attracted? I had a guy in a meeting once say, Oh, you don't need to ever say that you're in recovery because someone who has a drinking problem, they'll see you in the grocery store and they'll know that there's something different about you and they'll <laughs> want to talk to you. She and I said, um, no, I go, when my parents were, were utterly desperate and had no one to reach out to mm, yeah. and there was just so much fear. Fear and they were in crisis and could barely cognitively make it through the day mm. because I was using IV heroin. I was missing for days. Do you really think that they were aware of who was next to them in the grocery line, oh, yeah. much less reading their energy? <laughs> no, you need people who are vocal advocates and not just to be a lifeline, um, you know, in times of crisis. But to really just model and demonstrate and create a living paradigm of what it means to live a, a, a thriving, a thriving um, existence where you feel for fulfilled and you're firing on all cylinders and you're plugged in and tapped into something higher, something bigger, and you you know that the secret of of really living a life of recovery is by how much you can give. Mm. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Chris and I watched the the clip that Chris had up on the site for you that we it's that hour and 26 minute meeting and it was in Washington. The, the opioid symposium. And you were the last speaker, right? Yes. And you did your last 20 minutes. So I just fast forwarded the whole thing to watch you. But I mean <laughs> It, you were awesome. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this girl is got the passion and the fire." Right. You stood up and gave us that twenty minutes. I was, and you, you can feel it tonight. <laughs> but there was one. So anyway, I mean, that's awesome. Right. It, it just incredible. We, we need that. We need that. Recovery needs that. I know it's so great. Um, but there was a piece of legislation. Was were you guys advocating a piece of legislation? You'd mentioned something in that speech that we need to pass this. The, yes, the that? Comprehensive Comp- Addiction Recovery Act. Yes. Mm-hmm. What is that? That is a bill that was introduced by Senator Portman from Ohio and Senator Whitehouse from Rhode Island, who are both huge recovery champions. Um, And it is making its way through Congress. And it is a significant historic piece of legislation that will be a profound cultural moment in the 
um, history of, of recovery advocacy because it, um, it advocates for funding for collegiate recovery programs, funding for recovery high schools, support for recovery support services Mm -hmm. and increased treatment and as well as medication assisted therapies. Um, it's all about amplifying all the, all the methods and modalities that are out there that can save lives and continue to support and scaffold people from acute, um, issues with addiction into supporting them throughout all stages of their lives so that we continue to thrive. Um, yeah. And so that ties into the unite to face addiction recovery concert rally and advocacy day on October 4th Mm -hmm. in DC that, um, you know, recovery visionary, Greg Williams, Mm -hmm. uh, documentary filmmaker of anonymous people is, is doing such a fabulous job galvanizing the yeah. nation. And we're we're having a ball working closely with the Association of Recovery Schools, which advocates for recovery high schools nationally, and with the Association of Recovery and Higher Education, which is also um, comprised of collegiate recovery staff who are working to carry this message um, to as many people and communities and, and regions as possible. That's awesome. We, and, and as a society, like, you know, we've we've all just watched every we just throw them in prison. I mean, that was pretty much has been our plan. Right. As a society. Yeah. So it's so great to feel, as Chris says, there's this moment in time mm. in recovery, right, where all of a sudden you can feel the shift in how we deal with this as a, as a society. Yes. And as presidential um, appointee to the SAMHSA advisor, Tom Coderre has Mm. said at the ARCO Recovery Community Organization Conference last November in uh, Denver, he said the sun, moon and stars have lined up for us. Are we going to seize this opportunity? You know, we have um, somebody recovering from substance use disorder who is our Office of National Drug Control Policy Um, director who wants to be known as the recovery czar, Mm -hmm. who's very open about his struggles Mm -hmm. and who's so inspiring. And again, he's giving us all a higher vision of ourselves as people in recovery. Whereas we're being told one message that we deserve to be in prisons. Mm -hmm. We deserve to be um, on parole for the rest of our lives and probated, mandated, um, going through the system and, there's this, uh, there's the reality of recovery, which is the sky is the limit. This is about transformation. This is about service. This is about becoming the best version of yourself right. possible and inspiring as many people around you and, and connecting with others from a deeper place and, and giving back because mm-hmm. of the richness of this culture that's the message that we need to get out there. And I promise you, this landscape is going to look very different in five to 10 years because of the work that is going on now, right. because of advocates and and people around. Um, I, you know, I think of these incredible uh, recovery leaders like Tom Hill from mm-hmm. D.C. I think of Jim... Gillen, who just passed away in, in Rhode Island. I think of Andre Johnson from Detroit. I think of I, I think of incredible people like this. And there's so many more people emerging who are just 
they're not going to stop no matter what until we push this piece of legislation forward, until we rally on the Capitol, until every single high school has a recovery support service, every community has a recovery high school, every college has a collegiate recovery program. Um, we're not going to stop until until that happens. And that I, I want to make sure that I announce a very exciting initiative that Transforming Youth Recovery is commencing on. Um, we're researching now how we can create a grant program to support uh, recovery communities on community college campuses nice. because we know so many students in recovery first find their their educational um, you know their their courage to explore academia in in community colleges and we want to support students at that stage so we're so excited about that that's that's phenomenal I mean that. <laughs> That, that's, uh, you know, the last couple minutes of listening to you is just incredibly inspirational. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, it, it is amazing, you know, this this recovery moment that, um, you know, and I hate to call it that because that sounds like it, it has a, a you know, it, it's um, it's finite. But, you know, it, it feels like it's just the beginning. And, you know, this this rally in, uh, in D.C. in October it's just an astonishing event. Like a year ago, when I got when I started this, really not knowing anything about the greater recovery community, to imagine that, um, you know, a little over, you know, a year and a half, two years later, after I had any inkling of the recovery community, there'd be this r- rally on the mall. It's just astonishing to me. Um, and, uh, it is. It absolutely is, and um, it's going to change the course of of what's going on. Yeah. It's going to change it. And it's just an honor to be able to, to serve, um, this organization that I get to work for transforming sure. youth recovery and right. Stacy Mathewson, because she is such a visionary and she, she knows how siloed and, and, um, disconnected the recovery community has been because it has not received, you know, much validation from mm-hmm. society at large. And, the amount of resources and energy she has poured into so many recovery organizations like young people in recovery, um, okay. Phoenix multi-sport, uh, association of recovery schools. Um, I could go on and on sure. and especially her hometown of Reno, Nevada with the new nonprofit that's emerging doors to recovery there to help create a more recovery oriented Reno. Um, because of what she's doing, she's going to inspire angels to emerge in other mm. communities who are going to see how rewarding it is to bring about these life-saving supports on what is pretty much a blank canvas. Yeah. And so it's all it's all coming together. And I'm just so grateful that I got to come into my own recovery journey at this point of the evolution of, you know, addiction treatment and recovery support services. It's you know, I feel like we're all on fire, and and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna change we're gonna change we're gonna change it together. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, the momentum's pretty astonishing. Um, well, we can't wait to see you in October because we're going. Yeah, we're going. Oh, we'll see you there. yeah, great. we've got our, our tickets and our hotel, and yeah, uh, we're, we're taking the show on the road. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait to meet you guys. Yeah, so. that'll be fun. Well, uh, yeah, that was. Um, I want to go do something now. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Exactly. I say, it was inspiring. It was uh, yeah. just incredibly informative. I, you know, I, I had a sense, but I not not remotely the, um, you know, what was going on on campus and 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 
what what you were achieving on campus yeah. is just pretty astounding. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. I mean, that's it's, just amazing. Keep it going. Well, thank you. We will. We will. And I know you guys are from Missouri, and I want to give a shout out to the statewide Partners for Prevention Coalition, which is helping to support a statewide movement of collegiate recovery programming. The University of California system is rolling out collegiate recovery programming. The governor of North Carolina has given transformational funding to six college campuses within the NC uh, systems there. Hmm. And um, Virginia is emerging as a force. And of course, Texas. And we're going to continue to see this amplify. And that's what we're here to do. And and again, you know, we're going to we're going to save lives and, and give so many people a higher vision of themselves and help families out of crisis. And it's it's a beautiful thing. It is. It's fantastic. Well, Ivana, thank you. I mean, thank you for all you're doing. I mean, I just yeah. I, I it's, it's um, yeah, the community is fortunate to have you <laughs> exactly. and people yeah. like you. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And uh, thank you for for coming on and, and talking know. to us and, and, you know, all our listeners about it. And uh, we'd certainly, you know, like to have you back on. Yeah. Hopefully we'll meet you in October. Sometime That'll we'll be exciting. You. Let's make it happen in D.C. for yeah, sure. Right. Um, right. Anything else, anyone? Uh, well, what, yeah, you just got three new fans, so whatever yeah. we can do. If you need some help, moving forward, <laughs> something menial labor. We're your guys. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun, and I'm very Good. grateful for what you guys are doing. Excellent. Well, thank you. Cool. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Have a good night. You too, guys. Bye-bye. Meeting coffee. How cool is that? Yeah, for sure. Coffee. I feel so excited now. Podcast.